orienting towards truth, embracing the negative, moving towards transcendence. These sound like yoga poses to you? Well, they're actually three of the six pieces of integrity that you need more than you realize. This is the Mad Pastors Podcast. Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Welcome back to the Mad Pastors Podcast. I'm Ian. I'm Michael. And we're mad. Mad Pastors. Also, we have coffee. And if you don't have any, I highly suggest you hit pause and go brew a pot or two or three if you're like me. What do you think, Michael? Is it going to be that long of a podcast? Uh, Yes or no. I don't know if there really needs to be a reason to have coffee. I just believe that whether you're rich and you have your butler do it or you're just a pastor and you do it yourself, you should always have a pot of hot coffee brewing. But don't use Maxwell House. Good call. No, don't don't use that. Tastes burnt from the first drop. Just saying. All right, let's get to let's get to today. We know that's why all of you are here. Uh, That's true. To hear us yammer on about bad coffee. Michael, you need to wake up. You've been tired all. I need some coffee. Well, I brewed you some. There's always a hot pot here. So, all that to say, uh, we're getting ready to embark on episode two of Integrity. So, I would never drink coffee or tell you I'm drinking coffee and not drink coffee. Why, Michael? Because I have integrity. So, either way, here's what we're going to do today, and we're really excited about this. Um, We're going to break down uh, a book that we really love. Yeah, the book is called Integrity, The Courage to Meet the Demands of Reality by Henry Cloud. Man, anything that you see by Henry Cloud or Townsend or Cloud and Townsend, you just need to jump on that that book because it's amazing. Um, but here's what we're going to do. We, we like to, and that may not be a book that has jumped off the shelf at you, or maybe that you've not even seen in a bookstore online, right? I mean, it doesn't mean the pastors don't value integrity, but we just may not see those books. They're not written specifically for pastors. But one of G6's missions is to take good truth and good uh, content and things that are written that could really be applied to ministry and do that work for you so that you don't have to do it on your own. And we really want to find the best books. Here, here's the deal. We don't want you to live in a world where you've got to look for, look through a hundred books to find the one good one. We want to do our best. We really want you to never have to buy a bad book again. And, and that's why we exist um, in many ways. And so we're going to break this book down, right, Michael? Yeah, this, this book by Cloud is one of my favorites. And it's it does transcend the ministry, leadership, business world, personal development. It, it bridges all of that. Because as we mentioned last time, when we kind of gave a teaser to this and said clouds... I felt very teased last time. <laughs> clouds... Can't edit that um, out. Oh, I can edit everything you say Don't out here. Don't do it. Don't do Just it. Just watch it. Tease. Go. Everything that Cloud is talking about in this book transcends all of those areas because, as we said last time, his definition of integrity is something that is whole or complete. And so when we talk about integrity, we're not just talking about what you do when no one's looking or, you know, the real being the real you all the time, or we're not even necessarily talking about ethics. We're not just talking about always doing the right thing. Integrity is a much bigger thing than that. That's certainly part of it. Uh, You you couldn't say someone has integrity who is constantly doing bad things, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't mean that 
ethics or moral decision making is the entirety of integrity. In fact, uh, Cloud would say, and what we're going to use as our launching point for this conversation is actually that integrity requires six different characteristics or there's six different traits or qualities Mm. of integrity that a person of integrity or as cloud likes to say an integrated person a whole person displays all six of these this is how we know someone is being successful right have you ever have you ever looked at someone and thought dang what are they doing to be so successful how are they how have they done ministry at the level they have for so many years how have they been successful in business for all this time? What makes them stand out from those who are not doing that? And let's also and, let's let's define successful too, because I think that we're immediately going to go to the pastor porn idea of right. if they have a million followers, they must have integrity, which is so untrue. You're talking to a couple guys that have worked with peop- those people for years, and that's just not the case. I hate to say it. We won't point people out. But right. it's not about a level of success as in I've sold this many books, I've done this. But when you meet somebody that I I would just say almost we're going to be redefining a lot of stuff in this podcast. So it's kind of just try and put what you go to on the shelf. But somebody that's personally successful, like somebody you meet and you go, you know what? There's something different about them. And the fact that you know they've done, like Michael said, they've done ministry maybe in – a regular church, right? And they've done it so well for so long. Sometimes I wonder, uh, because it's such a rarity to have people at churches for more than four or five years uh, at most, if really we have an integrity crisis on our hands. Because when you see somebody that's, I, I remember meeting a student pastor who still is at the same church and he's been there for 25 years. And it's not because he wasn't good enough to go somewhere else. It's because he has lived in that calling um, for that long and just a person of integrity. And we're going to talk more about that, but let's just make sure we know what we say when we say success. Yeah. So we're not, we're not talking about, uh, material things or, right. or perceptions of success mm-hmm. or even ethical things. We're talking about a person as a whole, right? Yeah. Who they are as a person. And, and those are the, the traits that we're going to zoom in on and that cloud has identified as, Hey, those people who have that, that special something about them, mm-hmm. right? There are six key identifying markers that all of them display that make them a whole person or an integrated person or a person of integrity. We'll, we'll use all those words interchangeably. And the nice thing is these are not, this is not stuff you're born with. This is stuff that you acquire. And that's, so we're not telling you like... And it's stuff all of us have to develop and, yeah. and invest in, right? And that's what I love is we tend to, I think our culture really tells us you're either born with the it factor or you're not. And that's how we view things. But the truth is, these are things that we do develop over time. Yeah, when it comes to integrity, on. that yeah. that that is something that's not a natural gift that in the all words of, us of Michael have. Jackson, we're talking about the man in the mirror or woman in the mirror. If you could see the look I get when I make great uh, pop culture references. All right, so let's let's just dive in, Michael. You ready to dive that in? That sounds good to me. All right, I thought you'd never ask. Shut up. Here's the first uh, the first characteristic. Um, of someone with integrity is that the first is to be able to establish trust. Now this seems really basic, okay, but we're gonna uh, break that down just a little bit. So Mike, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So establishing trust, uh, I think one of the key things that we need to recognize here, like obviously we ought to be people who are trustworthy, right? That, sure. That's like, oh well, of course, 
a person of integrity ought to be someone you trust who they have integrity. Yep. You can trust them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but practically, what does that what does that look like, and what does that mean? Yeah. And I think one of the key things, one of the most important things that we need to do as pastors to help develop trust, because that's that has been a question. Like, I'm new in this role. You know, sure. I, I just I just moved to this area. I don't know anybody. You know, the, the committee that hired me has got to know me a little bit. But outside yeah. of that, nobody else knows me yet. How do I develop trust And within the first quickly? week, half that committee doesn't like you anymore. Right. Yeah. How, how do I do this? Yeah. Right. And and I think one of the one of the most important things that we can do is in how we connect with people. Yeah. And what I mean is when you connect with people. It ought to show in your conversations, it ought to show a genuine interest in that person. Oh, yeah. Right? And and I, I had this conversation with a man in our church just this past weekend, actually, and uh, made that statement to him that when, when I talk to this person, I know that he is actually interested in the conversation. Mm. He's never looking past you or never, you know, waiting to get to the next thing. He's not thinking about something else. I mean, it's very clear that when you're having a conversation that he is interested in what you have to say. And that that little thing right there immediately makes my trust of that person go up, oh, right? Yeah. Because I know that they're interested and they have concern there and they're looking out for me. And it's a pretty it's a pretty obvious thing. Um and when this happens as a pastor, we don't realize how obvious it is if we're doing it. But I remember when I was working uh, at a parish church, I was working at Lifeway Christian Resources. And so I was uh, one of the things I was doing was writing and editing uh, curriculum for students. And I went to serve at a church and I met with, at that time, the head student pastor. And they were real interested with the position that I held and how much, quote unquote, influence I had. Uh, but you could tell when we met, or like my wife and I were sitting down talking to him and his wife, talking about volunteering in their student ministry and leading. And that guy just stared through me the whole time. Like I would talk and he wouldn't even realize he was cutting me off. He would look past me. He was looking at other things. Um, and, and I remember I left and my wife just said, and that guy's not there anymore. So just so you know, there's no passive aggressiveness here. But that guy uh, looked past me. Constantly, my wife, just when we left, she said, gosh, I mean, I'm not mad. I just feel like, why were we even there? You feel devalued, right? She's like, why would he not even talk? I said, I don't know. And and she knew. And I think, you know, it's a really, it's a famous old book. You've probably heard it and a few of us have read it. But, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, Dale Carnegie wrote what I thought was a great passage for us is that you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. And I think that as pastors, that's the, and just as church, as people who love Jesus and want to love others, I think that's our struggle is rather than, you know, Christ told us what to love God and to love others. Those are what everything in God's word hinges on. And but we tend to have this pressure on us that my job is to get others to be excited about me. And that's not how you build trust. And that's really hard to do on a Sunday morning. Right. Because at church, when you're getting ready before service or even after service, you know, when you're 
doing the many churches are doing the customary <laughs> shake the pastor's hand yeah. after the message and you're shaking everybody's hand you're talking to, or fist bumping in 2020 or elbows or yeah, social distance whatever Masking. it is you're you're talking to a bunch of different people right mm-hmm. and and I know the temptation is I need to I need to make as many points of contact as I can. Yeah. And so every conversation needs to be, you know, hi, how are you? Good to see you. How's the family? Good. Awesome. On to the next one, because I got to get to as many people as I can. And it's it's almost an impossible scenario. You're setting yourself up for for a losing situation there where you are trying to talk to people. But everybody knows you're busy and you're on to the next one and you're not really. Well, well most people know. You yeah. got a few that want to come <laughs> up and, and have, you know, their mm-hmm. deepest conversation they've ever had in their life <laughs> while there's a line of people behind you. Right. We all we've all met those individuals. Well, yeah. But that's a really difficult place to do that. But one thing that we need to do as pastors is is keep in mind that when you are talking to someone, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not necessarily talking about that Sunday morning scenario, but when you're having a conversation with someone you got to be having that conversation with them, right? Yeah. It is. It does nothing to build trust when someone is sitting there telling you that they have a friend with cancer, yeah. and you're thinking about, you know, the next song that we're gonna add to the list of songs we're gonna sing on a Sunday, <laughs> right? Or, or yeah. when you're when you're somewhere else, that doesn't build trust because, as good as you may be at covering. Eventually, people are going to notice that you're not really invested in that conversation, and trust is going to go away in a hurry. Well, no doubt, and and so here's what I think is interesting: is a few things that came to my mind as you're talking. Is one pretty famous pastor that I served under, and you know, used to tell us, and I thought it was great at the time. He'd say, "The slower, the more hands you shake, and the slower you walk through the aisles." Uh, when we had aisles at that church. But the more you walk through the aisles, the less conversations you have through the week with people. And at first, that sounded great. And it may sound great to you. And the, and the truth was, I think if he had have ended it with, um, you have less unnecessary meetings throughout the week, that would have been one thing. But really, it was an entire, almost manipulation of the more people kind of perceive that you like them, the less they'll de- bother you. And that that's a terrible way to do ministry. Um, that just that just reinforces that we don't want to see people through the week, and the only time we want to see them is once a week when we can brag about the numbers and get a tithe. And really what should be happening is, yes, Michael's 100%. We should be connecting and talking and looking at people, not through them. But we've also, the whole point of being a pastor is that, that you have six, five to six other days in the week that you need to be personally connecting with people. Not a text. Now, I mean, if you can text them, great, but write handwritten notes, call and go to lunches, show up at events that are important to that family. One, you know, what's interesting is love is a choice. It's not a feeling. And there are a lot of times that I do not, you think about your spouse, you don't always wake up just having a great loving feeling about your spouse. But as a, uh, as a student pastor, you need to look at how well your student pastors do this, but this is the most evident sign of it. When you go to an event for a student, you blow away them and their family. And eventually, I mean, this took me a couple of years, but at one point I've gotten out of where I love being in a school cafeteria or at a football game or at an event that's big for a student at their sporting event or whatever it may be. I enjoy it, not because I'm interested in those particular things, but because I really have started learning to love people being able to shine and be who they are. And that's a huge impact. And so, you know, we need to be thinking through establishing trust is how 
Can I gen- not how do I make them think that I love them? How do I genuinely love people and show them that they're valuable? And you will you'll know that when people are objects and we objectify them, that that's the problem. And we tend to look at them as moving objects, not as people who literally want to be valued and loved and cared about. And that's that's really the one side of what we're getting at here is, is mm-hmm. this connection piece and showing care and concern that you're genuinely interested and in. we might even call that you know being vulnerable because when we're yeah. vulnerable we're able to identify with someone right and mm-hmm. we and that helps with that connection the other side of that because it's it is about balance so connecting with people is is one way of b- building trust and being vulnerable with them the other way is by instilling confidence in them and your ability to do the job, right? Yes. I I can I could trust that someone has my best interest at heart and mm-hmm. because of the conversations we have and that they're genuinely interested in our conversations and they really care, but I still may not trust them because I I don't know that they can do the task that is in front of them, right? Yeah. And so that's part of establishing trust is balancing vulnerability and power. In fact, uh Cloud says that trust has a requirement of strength and power. People need mm-hmm. to know that they can trust you, that they need to have confidence in you to be able to do what it is that, that is expected of you, right? And yeah. so demonstrating that is another way that we build trust. And so you got to find that balancing act of demonstrating that you're a strong leader while also demonstrating your weaknesses as a human being and finding that that good balance of, hey, I'm human just like you. And I'm confident to do the job that I need to do. When you combine those two pieces, then trust begins to develop pretty quickly. It does. And, and I think so. We'll move into the second one in, in just a second. But it kind of flows in what you're saying flows into number two. And but sometimes this means you don't need to walk in. I see a lot of leaders that cut their legs out from under them because they they go in thinking that they've got to keep everything that currently is going going. Or that, that and, and here's the thing, some of y'all, you may walk in or you may be in a situation where you're not good at some things. And honestly, they're not necessary to the gospel. That's something that church did or that ministry did, or you're trying to fill the shoes of somebody and you don't need to. I think that that erodes trust very quickly. Um, I remember there was a pastor, he ran a church into the ground and really caused some major problems with it. And mainly because, and, and he would never hear it. He is pretty much the poster child for everything this book was written for. But I remember at one point he was trying to be the same type of funny and have the same style as the pastor who had had a moral failure and left. And I remember church members just falling totally out of love and trust with him because they would say, why doesn't he just act like himself? Like he's clearly just trying to be this guy. And and I think that erodes trust very quickly, too. That It's like you said, we're. It's a matter of saying you may need to walk in. If you're walking into ministry, you've been in one for a while, you might need to say, hey, you know what, guys, this is having a plan. This is the plan. This is where we're moving. This is what we're doing. And we're not going to be doing these things because I don't think we can do these things well, but we can do these things well. And then sticking to it, which leads us to the second trait. And the next character trait of integrity is uh, to be oriented towards truth. And there's a lot of uh, self-awareness in this, in this particular one of, you know, being in touch with the reality and, and not lying to, not about lying to other people, about lying to yourself, right? Yeah. So there's, there's a difference in, uh, in telling the truth and being able to see the truth, right? That we, we need to be oriented toward truth means that we are well aware 
of the, the reality around us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all met those people that are in a whole other world and you, you, you have a conversation with them or you work with them and then you, you ask yourself, what planet are they living on, right? Because they are not living in the real world <laughs> right. at all. They're right. completely detached from reality. To be an integrated person or to, to have integrity means that we are oriented toward truth. We are constantly looking for that reality. We have a hunger for it. We're, we're asking outside sources to, to help verify or validate yep. uh, what the truth is, not, not validate our own positions or our own feelings, but hey... Help me understand, am, am I off base on this? Is there something yeah. I'm missing? Where can I get better? We're asking those kinds of questions. That's what and a person of integrity does. It's not even an insecurity. There's a there, there are questions like that driven out of insecurity, right? Like, was it really good? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it good? And those are not the questions we're talking about. And I, But I've asked those a lot. And my I've made that struggle, and it took a long time to get out of that rut. I still struggle with it. But, I've, but those, the questions you're talking about here are questions that they do. They want to know reality. They don't seek affirmation or justification. They yeah, say, "Hey, what is what's the truth? How how can we be better here? Because not because I'm afraid that we're not good enough, but how can we be better here? Because you know what, we're human and we can get better. I mean, that that is people will follow somebody who wants to get better and wants to grow and is open to hear those things. It's it's rightly understanding the question behind the question, right? Yeah. Uh, asking, you know, where can I get better? What can I do? Or is this okay? Did I do good at this? Mm-hmm. If you're asking that because you're seeking validation or you need people to recognize how amazing you are and that you're God's gift to ministry, and that's the wrong reason right. to ask those questions, right? That That is that self And if you were God's gift to ministry, and, you would know it. And everybody else would too, but... <laughs> If you're asking the question, and a lot of it is in how you phrase the questions sure. too, right? But sure. but if you're asking the question because you genuinely want to grow, because mm-hmm. you want to get better, you're yeah. you're open to, hey, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've got areas to grow. I'm hungry to hear what those are. Help yep. me get better. That's the question behind the question of did I do okay or was that good or mm-hmm. how am I doing? That that's what really drives this concept that we're talking about here and, and being oriented toward truth. We're not just blindly thinking that we've got it all figured out and yeah. we're right on everything. Instead, we're like, hey, I know there's a reality that maybe I don't see. I need others to speak into it yeah. and to help me recognize it in a better way. One way I see this really go awry, and I've served in churches like this, I've talked to the churches like this, is where we, when something isn't true that we want to be true, we just talk as if it is. And here's what I mean. Um, I, I served at, at there's there's one church that I served at where everybody always said we would tell members this or potential members or uh, it would become it was a phrase that we'd have. We're a church of small groups. We are. We're a church. We're all about small groups. We're a church of small groups. And that sounded great. The reality: twenty percent of our people were in small groups. We were not a church of small mm-hmm. groups. And, and and here's here's what the problem with that was. Nobody was honest about it from the pulpit or publicly. Nobody said, hey, we want to be a church of small groups, and we're not. And t- until we are, we're not focusing on anything else but this. Or, you know, I, I've heard, you know, I, I've served at churches, too, where this is, you've got some of the most hateful people I've ever done ministry with who cry on stage about God's grace and then are just hateful jerks outside of that that are staff members or people. And that's lying to yourself too, because that's all that really is, is putting on a really intricate show. And so, you know, one great way, whether you're a pastor or a church leader, 
we sometimes we just we're not oriented towards truth, not because we're dishonest people, but because we're almost afraid to face the truth, and we really don't want it to be, and we we really desire that something else is the case. And I think the thought I've done it too. The thought process is if I just say something enough, it will be the case, and I think that that's a very tricky uh, and and very deceptive trap that we step into is if we just say it enough and loud enough, people will get on board and that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't know, that's helpful. And that kind of leads us into, and this one, this one takes a little bit of reorienting. It did with me when we were walking through all this and looking at it, I I said, this is one that I have a lot of problems understanding correctly, but the next character trait here of of integrity is, uh, is that it gets results, but that's odd, Michael. So how, how do we say that? in a way that it just makes sense from the way that Henry Cloud is saying it. Yeah, when we hear the when we hear that phrase that it gets results, we automatically go to task driven or to accomplishment to to doing things, right? To yeah. having a, a track record of success or of uh, metrics that you can look at and show demonstrable production, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's what we think of when we think of get results. But in in the framework of integrity and being a person of integrity, what we need here is actually a mindset shift. What we're talking about when we say get results, it actually uh, requires five different pieces. And if we're doing these five things, the results will come. So it's not necessarily just a focus on results. and, And you've heard us on this podcast be critical of the church's wholehearted adaptation of a results driven <laughs> yeah. ministry and, and you'll hear us talk about it again because it's a it's a big passion for us that sure that's not our goal our end goal is not numerical yeah. growth it's not financial growth it's to make disciples and so mm-hmm. we're kind of getting in some murky water here with this idea right yeah. well not really because what our, our mindset goes to that right but what Cloud is actually talking about is something very more uh, introspective and personal in the way we view it and the way we approach the way we get things done. Mm-hmm. And if we will adopt, if we will adopt that approach, then all of a sudden the results are going to happen and we'll display integrity along the way. Does that I, make sense? It does. And, I, you know, I think as, as I think through that and as we look at this, it's almost you've got to shift what you're actually trying to accomplish in this. It's it's less about, and I think most of us, you know, at least the pastors that I, I, the pastor I have been, and and pastors I've been around, those two, is we almost live out of an insecurity and a lack of confidence where we need to make things happen and get results. The kind that we're talking about, I need to get butts in seats. I need to get uh, the, you know, this program going and that program going. We're trying to convince everybody and ourselves that we are successful and that we're getting results. Cloud, like you said, takes it a totally different route and says, you know what? Do you want to be confident and okay with who you are? Then stop worrying about the outside because that will come when you're working with uh, developing who you are. And he does these different traits. I think one really interesting one is know your strengths. That's the first one. And that seems maybe a little bit common or almost anticlimactic. You know, it's, oh, and we say, but, but there's also another side to this too is knowing your strengths means being okay and aware of your weaknesses in all of this. And so that's that's where some of the problem is. Like we've all had pastors and leaders and people who, especially from the pulpit, who they never have anything wrong with them. They're like, I wake up at four in the morning. 
to study God's word for four hours a day. And I do this and this and that. You know what? When I was, I heard one pastor say, when I was in high school, I never did drugs and did all these things. Cause I was blah, 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 blah. And, and, and just, Hey, it was like, okay, dude, that's what, you, that's the only thing in your life you're proud of at 14. Okay. But at the same time, well, that shows a lack of orientation toward truth, right? No doubt. And that goes back to the last yeah. one that we, we are unaware <laughs> or un, unwilling to accept our own weakness. We know it's there. That's mm-hmm. why we put on such a front. But I think that, you know, and I, I, I actually talked the other night with one of uh, with one of the people, families in our church and said, I want to make sure that I'm always, if as best I can, the least successful and the least creative person in the room. And I th- there's a huge humility to that because the majority of churches right now, you go in and you are immediately a threat to the pastor if you are... Um, if you're talented or gifted and you're viewed more as a threat to be controlled, then I would almost say a stallion to be bred and unleashed. And that's not the design here. So knowing your strengths means saying, okay, I know that I'm good in these areas. Now, if you don't know how to figure that out, one, you need to talk to people that are close to you that you know well and you trust. Two, there are, whether it's the Myers-Briggs or it's um, the Strengths Finder tests or, you know, you, there's so many different personality test, take them all and see what's consistent in those. But knowing your strengths also means being confident in that and not um, being insecure about your weaknesses. You need to be able to bring people along. And I'm telling you, when you do that, people deeply respect you because you can say, hey, I know I'm not good here and I need to lean on you. This is where I'm good at. I need you to come alongside and do this with us, right? Yep. Uh, I think what Cloud is getting at with this whole idea of getting results. Mm-hmm. As we said, he's not talking about, you know, your work ethic or achieving an attendance goal or yeah. a sales goal or, or even whatever goal you come up with. He's not necessarily just talking about that. Yeah. He keeping in mind that he's talking about integrity as being a whole person. And if we're going to be a whole person, if we will consistently do these five things, yeah, then the results are going to come. The results are going to happen if we if we consistently do this. So this is not a mm-hmm. how to instruction. If you're looking for yeah. a book on how to accomplish goals or <laughs> right. you know tricks or or tips on goal setting and achieving goals, plenty of other great books and resources out there on that. That's not what he's talking about here. Yeah, he's talking about you as a person. If you will focus on developing yourself in these areas, then the results are going to happen. They're going to take care of themselves. And you mentioned that first one. Yeah, uh, of uh, knowing your strengths, What's right? It's, it's important to play to our strengths. Yeah. The next one is to have a process. Okay. And What's we that mean? and we've talked about this before in uh, in our resource on your calendar, right? That it's important to plan. That we have to have a plan. We have to have a process. We need to know how to go about doing the the work that we're wanting to do. If if we say, hey, here's my goal. I want to have you know 500 people at my church. And then we just sit here and just hope for 500 people to show up. <laughs> right. That's not a plan, right? Sure. That's, you have a dream, right? That's right. not that's, or a wish. That's not a plan. Right. You got to have a plan. And so you want to okay. be a person of integrity. Know your strengths. Play to your strengths. Mm-hmm. And develop a plan. Have a process for getting you to those goals. People of integrity are constantly working a plan. And again, using all this other stuff, let, having people speak into that. Knowing who is strong where, those kind of things are all important to having that process. And then as we're going through that process, inevitably it's going to happen yeah. 
that you're going to run into some roadblocks, right? Obstacles are going to appear, and that's the next facet of being uh, someone who gets results is being able and willing to make the hard calls. That's it. That is, man, that is what separates, you know, when you talk about integrity, that separates um, the men from the boys or the women from the girls, right? I mean, this is, it's a major maturity issue. And I think this is where most integrity stops for people is because making, make, we immediately dress the idea of making hard calls and just being a jerk. Well, you're just harsh and you're, and that's not the case. Um, Making hard calls can be done with love. Sometimes people don't resist them. They're just hard calls for you personally. Sometimes they're hard calls that involve people. But at the end of the day, um, if you're going to have to decide between a lot of good things and great things, you're going to have to make some decisions where as a leader, I do think that one of the worst leaders I ever know knew had one of the best quotes I ever had. As he said, the higher you go in leadership, um, the less freedoms you have. And sometimes that works out by saying, you know what, this isn't about me. And I'll, we need to make some tough decisions here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have to be willing to make those hard calls. Yeah. And when you can't, man, I, it, there are so many good leaders yeah. who have been stopped short of doing great things because they were unable to make the hard calls. Yeah. They, they wouldn't put themselves in that position, whether it was out of fear or, you know, they wanted people to like them. They didn't, maybe they're just lazy and just didn't want to have that battle that they knew would ensue or whatever it is, but not willing, not being willing to have those conversations and make those hard calls. Man, at the end of the day, that has stopped a lot of people from achieving great things. I mean, we, we talked about it last time, this idea of, you know, I've been at churches where there was an entire plan and process in place for, developing leaders and elders and and then when it came down to having some tough conversations we created systems that washed them out a way to weed them out yeah Yeah. and or when we talked to you know you talk about i see a lot of people who really they're not a lot of pastors who and i think this is true i was talking with one of our team the other day and and the discussion was whether or not somebody's right when you just always have an answer immediately for somebody's problems and things like that, um, that's unsettling to most people. And you kind of just kind of recoil. And I think, and I know that's an odd application to it, but sometimes for me is, um, I think for us, the hard call is just to be quiet and to sit with people. Well, the fourth facet in getting results is that character somehow finds a way. Yeah. Even if you're willing to make those hard calls. Yep. In the middle of that sometimes, and sometimes you're just going to be up against an obstacle that is really, really ridiculously hard to overcome. Yep. And and that's something that, that the integrated person or the person of integrity does. They're going to have the determination. They're going to have the, the grit. They're going to have the stamina mm-hmm. to get out there and find a way to make <laughs> it happen. By sheer force of will. Absolutely. Right. Uh, you're going to find a way to make it happen. And and that's something we can, if some if someone has integrity, we can trust in that, that, hey, this this is a person who has said, here's the goal. This is what he or she is going to do. Mm-hmm. I trust them to do it because they have integrity because I know they're going to find a way to do it, right? But that, That's a big part of it. They don't give up. They get creative. They find different ways mm. of making sure things happen. Now, but we also know that having integrity doesn't mean that you always win, right? So 
the last facet is is about that um and it's that uh <laughs> that sometimes obstacles win and which you know it's why a major part of integrity is the ability to lose well and i don't think anybody wants to hear that but i think you're right sometimes it's not a matter of grit sometimes sometimes it's poor timing and it was a perfect plan or whatever it may be and and being able you know the integrity you know the the integrated response to that is not well it's because all these idiotic people couldn't get it done which i've heard many times or well guys we just should have wanted it more and prayed more which is a terrible thing to tell everybody really at the end of the day it's better to say you know what we worked really hard we did a lot maybe we're going to do this again but you guys need to know you left it all out on the court you did your best and sometimes it doesn't work out but you know what that doesn't mean that we're going to stop and that doesn't mean that we're not good at what we do, right? Yeah, and this one is super important because mm-hmm. if we just stopped at the last one and said a person of integrity <laughs> is going to find a way, <laughs> right. that that leads to people holding on and clenching with tight fists things that just need to die. Yes. Right? No doubt. Like We can think of a handful of ministries that churches have been doing for 75 plus years Ugh. that are yep. completely ineffective and they're a waste of everyone's time. But they continue doing them because 50 years ago they had a little success with it and they, they're going to stick to it and they're going to keep doing it and they're going to find a way to make it work. Well, an integrated person is going to look at things and say, hey, I know when it's time to throw in the towel. Yep. I'm, not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice the well-being of the church or the effectiveness of the church as a whole yep. over my vanity and over you know, I needing, me needing to be right and me needing to prove that, hey, yeah, this idea was a brilliant idea and you all should pat me on the back and you're so lucky to have <laughs> me as a pastor because I led this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we got to know when to let things die and when to say, you know what? I was wrong. Like, yep. how many pastors have we heard actually say those words mm-hmm. before they got caught up in some scandal? But right. the, just when they just say, right. "Hey, church, I was wrong about this. I, I was. This was a mistake. I didn't do this right. I'm sorry. I've learned from it. Let's move forward." Yeah, that would be a big, big change in how we view ourselves as, as pastors and as how churches view pastors. Well, and I want to, I always want to take the opportunity because we have a lot of people that listen that are partners with us that aren't pastors as well and download this. And here's, you, you say, well, I'm not, uh, the term would be, I'm in the second chair. So how do I lead? I'm not the first chair. I'm not the guy in charge. Here's another thing. One, this is a great way, great thing to practice as a believer who's in a church. Don't hold on to the crap that isn't working, but you got to be willing to embrace negative too. And I'm going to tell you right now, a way to lead above and help your pastor out is to not be somebody that also encourages him to do that, to be willing to say, Hey, I'm wrong. I have fought people like that who literally student ministry changes every two years. And I've walked into student ministries where they go, we're doing this thing we've been doing for 25 years and it needs to keep being done. Well, nobody liked doing it. And I'm going guys. And I've, and I've made those calls to my chagrin, to people spreading rumors, to doing this. And you know what? I would rather, I still would make that call 100% of the time because I'd rather see people growing and doing better. And so I'm going to tell you, if you're a church member and you're listening to this, one of the greatest things you can do for your pastor is to either encourage them to stop holding on to stuff that doesn't work and and help free them to do more. Or when they say something, if it's important to you, but you know it's uh, reality is it's not working, just let it go. Lose well. And, and, and we're going to end on that for this time. This is going to be a two-parter 
because it's worth a two-parter. Um, but here's what I want you to do. If you need to listen to this again, if you need to walk back through it, take a minute and just ask yourselves on each one of those points that we've been making, where am I at as somebody of integrity? And here's the deal. This is designed because God didn't create us perfect or create some people with integrity and some people with not. It is a developed part of who we are, and we have to develop it and nurture it. Right, Michael? Yeah. So quick recap for you guys. The first three of these different traits that a integrated person, a person of integrity, uh, ought to possess and ought to be continually developing yep. is the ability to establish trust. Boom. The next character trait of integrity is to be oriented toward truth and then to be a person who gets results. In the next podcast, we're going to talk about <laughs> the three other ones yep. that go along with this. And so then you will have an integrated podcast with all six coming together as a whole. On that note. You like what I did there? No. It was On a whole lot better than whatever the nonsense was you were spewing at the beginning. Being teased. Um, oh, yeah, that's I, what it was. <laughs> See, I'd already forgotten. I hey, erased listen. it from my memory. All right. Well, listen, we love you. We're excited to talk about some cool things uh, coming in the future, and we're going to mention some of those next time. But uh, here's the deal. We we love you guys. We can't do this without you, whether it's downloading, contributing, uh, whatever it may be, and partnering with us. And so we want to be good partners for you. So make sure to listen to uh, the ending and how you can email in questions and get info about G6 Allies and the Mad Pastors. We love you all. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part Part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner, and we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode.